Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I was muted. I apologize for that. So, <laughs> hello and welcome to Destination Draft Day. I'm Michael Rockman, your host. 
of the show as we get started. And Nick Durst will be joining us soon, but he is struggling with some technical difficulties. Thank you to MLB Rules for the little heads up. Definitely much appreciated. Keep the comments coming. Any questions about the NFL draft or NFL for this weekend, and we will get them answered. So one of the first games that I want to talk about from this NFL weekend is the Raiders versus Browns. Looking at just how well the Raiders handled this Browns offense, I understand Odell Beckham Jr. was out for the week, and he is going to be out most likely for the season. So if you want to give credit to that as for the reason as to why the Browns offense wasn't as successful, go ahead. But I think the biggest thing is this Raiders defense came to play, and it was huge for both teams as the playoff picture is starting to get formatted, not really so much as we're seeing any seeding start to get locked in, but we are starting to see which teams are legit going to be competing for playoff spots and which teams are just going to be competing for a better draft spot. And the Raiders need a key win today. Going three and four would have probably set them back a little too far, but now at four and three, they are in the fight. And defensively, there's a lot to love about this Raiders team, both this year and going forward. You look at just how much they invested in the linebacker unit in free agency this year with Corey Littleton and Nick Kwiatkowski. And then you look at the draft where they invest in the secondary and defensive line with guys like Max Crosby, Cleveland Farrell, Trayvon Mullen, Jonathan Abrams, and Damon Arnett, who will be coming back from injury soon. A lot of people want to say that the Chiefs are going to run the division until Mahomes is gone. And I'm not saying that that's not going to happen, but – when you are an NFL franchise, you can't plan on taking second place in a division. You can't plan on losing a division. So the way the Raiders are building with how strongly Mayock is drafted year after year, there seems to be a lot of hope for Las Vegas fans out there, and I think they should definitely remain faithful to the, to the team because this team has a lot to be excited about. John Gruden has done a great job of adapting, not sticking to the old mantra as a head coach and has really developed to the new age of football. And I'm very excited to see where this team goes as they continue to add young pieces in the draft and adding in our co-host, Nick Durst here on the show. How's it going, Nick? It's going well now that I finally reached destination draft day. It was, uh, it was quite the best. It was quite, it was quite the road to the show today, but happy to be here and absolutely love what the Raiders are doing. Uh, John Gruden's got this team going in the right direction. Sneakily could be a nine and seven team this year. Uh, and maybe they're not, not going to, you know, probably throw in the chiefs, but they could be giving the chiefs a lot of fits for, for years to come. And yeah, they lost again, but uh, the chargers are going to be good. Justin Herbert. I mean, I, I'd be surprised if this guy's going to make Rockman's rookie rookie of the week this week. He was, he was phenomenal once again. And he's just, He's he's leading the rookie class right now with quarterbacks. Of course, Burrow's been great too. Uh, Tua, uh, not really that impressive in his debut, but he gets the win, so that's really all that matters. And I I, I gotta wonder now, Michael. I, you know, going into last year, everyone said Tua is the best, no doubt about it. But right now, I mean, how do you not put him as third in that in this in this draft class with the way Burrow and Herbert have been playing? And how do you not put Herbert first? Yeah, so far it's definitely looked that way. And I think we're starting to see that a lot of the QBs that have tools with arm talent and mobility are really seeming to develop a lot better just because of how much 
offenses have been able to really make things easier for the quarterbacks. Now we've seen an evolution of the offensive game to where we're scheming guys open, we're adapting to the QB skill sets, and a lot of offensive coordinators are finding success in doing that. So now we see a guy that probably had more pure arm strength than the other two prospects that were ahead of him. And Justin Herbert, he had a lot of great size, very solid mobility, and we're seeing that really kind of executed now, and they're letting him attack downfield. Whereas, you know, even for someone like Tua, I don't think arm strength is some big weakness for him. I don't think he has some rocket of an arm, but he does have a very nice arm. But they've kind of, in that first game, made it very a conservative approach. And I think one of the best things I liked about Herbert and how the offense has worked so far is they're letting him air it out. And, you know, he's done very well with it. Now, right. I know and his one that- interception yesterday was really a 60-40 ball that his receiver should have had yeah. that ended up getting picked. So he's throwing a yeah, great ball. Even when you're throwing interceptions, it's the big thing is just trying to make sure that you're making the right reads and that you're making plays. And Herbert's done that so far. He's had some turnovers. He's had some bad throws. And he's had some games that maybe aren't as high as some of his others. But at the same time, we're seeing this guy really get to fully work in him his entire skill set. And from that, you get to really – Build confidence whenever you're making big plays. Before the season, you said Joe Burrow is going to break the rookie uh, record for third touchdown passes. He still might, but do you think it's still going to it's going to be Herbert above him breaking that record and having the most of all time? Yeah, it appears Herbert is going to pass this one with ease. And Joe Burrow, like like you said, he could still very easily get in there. But at the same time, it it might be two people breaking it. But it seems like a sure thing as long as Herbert doesn't fall off a cliff or get injured. This guy should continue to dominate, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later. We got a graphic made and everything, but at the moment, let's move on to another game. The Patriots versus the Bills, this was a big one. A lot of people were maybe not predicting an upset, but we're saying this is where the Patriots could easily just bounce back and do that typical Patriot thing. They played it close. They played a strong game in terms of just how well they competed with a very good Bills team, but – they lose again and fall to two and five on the season. Now a lot of people are questioning whether they should start selling at the deadline, whether there's chaos in New England, whether Bill Belichick is a system head coach and it was all Brady. The sky is falling in New England. And now the question is, what do the Patriots do from here? Yeah, and first, I mean, I'll be rules. Is anyone else hearing no audio? Was there just me? Yep, it's just you. Uh, no doubt about oh, it. Oh, we, we addressed that earlier. Yeah, there, I, I forgot to unmute myself. Ah, uh, so it wasn't just, it was, uh, sorry, I'll be wasn't just him. I apologize. <laughs> uh, listen, I think the thing with the Patriots here, people are forgetting, is that before the season, they had the most opt outs due to COVID of any team across the league. And they, they got Newton so late, no training camp or anything. Uh, Glock Lesnar taking a just you weirdo. Hey, well, easy there, Nick. Sorry, I'll be rules. I apologize. I, uh, my mistake. But listen, would it surprise me if Bill Belichick next year drafts Noah Bedrill from Rutgers and this guy becomes the greatest quarterback in the league? No. Belichick loves his Rutgers guys. And Bedrill's, Bedrill's got some mobility. But it's interesting to just know here, like, you know, the Patriots, they can still maybe turn around sneaking the playoffs here. Uh, but this is going to be the highest they're picking in a while. And I'm interested, Michael, to, to, if you think they would even think about drafting a, a quarterback in the first round. I would think not. I think they'd probably try to get a quarterback in free agency or whatnot, pick somebody later on and develop them. 
or maybe go and get Jacoby Brissett back. Uh, I don't I don't think they would be you know, unless they're like <laughs> super super top to the draft. I don't see that they'd be looking to take a quarterback in the first round. Yeah, right now in the current order, they're picking top ten. If they love someone and he's there, I think they would be willing to. But at the same time, I could see them probably going for someone like Jacoby Brissett, bringing him back to Foxborough and really trying to just ride it out with a veteran. I think the biggest thing right now is trying to build up this offense. There are a lot of questions in terms of weapons. Last week started four free agents that all were undrafted whenever their time came. Damier Bird obviously has made a little bit of a career for himself. Jacoby Myers had a pretty good game, but at the same time, there's just a lot of issues for weapons overall for this team. The offensive line is good, but definitely aging, so there's going to be some moving pieces. I think Joe Dooney definitely will hit the market, and they will get that comp pick for him later. But right now, I think there's so many holes on this roster, and I think Brady really just never got as much credit as he probably deserved because we thought, okay, this is so much of Bill Belichick. Brady's a great QB, but Belichick has just made this roster work. But I think I think Brady was lifting the offense up a little higher than we we ever truly realized. And now we're starting to see where Cam, who I mean, he's been fine. I don't I don't think the Yeah, Cam's Cam's been decent, uh, but not not I mean, he is he is he is throwing, turning the ball over, but you don't know how much of that is impacted by him missing some time with coronavirus. Yeah, and at the same time, you know, when you are a good QB in a terrible offense, it brings you down. And I think Cam is fine. I think he's at least above average quarterback play. But at the same time, when you don't have the weapons there, when you don't have the time to really get into a system that is obviously very complicated and no notably uh, uh very complicated i think it's just it it shows on the field and right now with the lack of offensive production it has been proven week after week that it's just not the same and this patriots team is going to have to retool in the offseason they probably end up going around like five and eleven six and ten seven nine somewhere in that range they still have two jets games so you know if they want to they could potentially pull off a tank for Trevor operation, but <laughs> I assume they're going to try to win when they can. So we'll see what happens. Glock Lesnar, Patriots just got to go full rebuild. He's rebuild. He's a good coach who can produce some greater, some greater than the parts with his roster. Let him hit on a few early draft pucks and establish depth, and they will be good. I wonder how long Bill has left, though. Uh, he was he was saying this this past week that. The salary cap is really impacting the roster depth. Uh, how long does he have left? I think as long as he wants. <laughs> uh, I would say at least 10 more years he'd be with the team. I don't know if that's all coaching, but definitely running the organ- running the team as, as the president and general manager, for sure. I think the biggest thing he's questioning is Bill's up there in age. He's already in his 60s as it is. He may not want to go through a rebuild. I mean, he's had, what, like a 20-year run of, being at least a somewhat of a contender the entire time, maybe one or two down years. And now he's looking at a roster that really isn't awful. I mean, this defense is still one of the better defenses in the league in terms of secondary talent. The offensive line is one of the best in the league. And really, yeah, there's pieces on this defensive line that need help. There's pieces in the linebacker unit that need help. And you need to get a quarterback and weapons that can really efficiently produce. But when you have the key piece is like a great secondary and a great offensive line. It's hard to look at your team and say, yeah, we got to blow it up. So it's, it's definitely a legit concern. And it does kind of come down to if Bill lines it up with his own timeline, if he's okay with that, 
to go through what will probably be a three, four year rebuild if he really wants to blow it all up. Or if he tries to do just a short term thing where he tries to kind of put tape over the leaks and see what happens. Yeah, I think a lot of it can be fixed quickly. Uh, again, a lot of their defensive players out this year, they opt out of the season, uh, but they lost a lot of key guys to the Dolphins as well, like Van Noy. So that's a big loss. But really, if uh, I mean, if they can get the QB in there that Bill wants, that's going to do the Bill system, uh, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be back in the playoffs in contention next year. Uh, and yeah, Bill's, Bill's 68, I... I do think long-term he, he probably steps away from coaching. McDaniels becomes the coach and he just is the general manager. It's a little less wear and tear on his body. So you could see if there's got to go free, full rebuild, he says, you know what, Josh, you're going to coach here. And then he kicks Josh out the door and goes back to the team when they're ready to, to win the Super Bowl. I wouldn't put it past him. Makes perfect sense. Another team that has some recent Super Bowl notoriety, familiarity, whatever you want to call it. The 49ers are now getting decimated with injuries. George Kittle just got announced that he would be out eight weeks. Jimmy Garoppolo just got announced that he would be out around six weeks. This 49ers team is already at four and four in the toughest division in football. Currently, when you look at the standings, they are now at four and four, whereas the next closest team, five and three, Cardinals five and two, Seahawks six and one. This 49ers team not only is outside looking in for this playoff picture because of how strong the division is, but we are now seeing the injuries start to take its toll. Are the 49ers at the point where they should consider waving the white flag for this season? Yeah, I, I didn't think they were going to be a playoff team at all this year. So I was surprised they're 4-4. Four and four, But, hey, the NFC West gets to play the NFC East and the Jets. So it's five wins on your schedule right there, at least at, at minimum. So anything could happen. Uh, Nick Mullins... He's he's not he's not that bad. I mean, he, he showed a lot of promise. Uh, Garoppolo, I think this is going to be his last year in San Francisco. We've talked about it on this show. I think Matt Ryan going back with Kyle Shanahan's a real possibility there, especially if the Falcons are picking toward the top of the draft. Maybe they get Lance. Uh, maybe they get Justin Fields. And I think you could see Garoppolo going to the team we just talked about, the Patriots. Who knows what could happen there? But. Uh, no, they can't wave the white flag at 500 with seven with 17 playoff. They got it. They got to continue to go for it. And I think that's what they're going to continue to do at this point. And uh, it it really just it's gonna like I said, the NFC East is not getting a wild card team. So it comes to, you know that the, the Saints and the Bucks they'll get in. So it really becomes down to like that last spot, and it, it, it is doable. I mean, the, the Bears and the Packers are going to get in from the, the North. The South is Bucks, uh, Bucks Saints. That's two. The whole NFC West can get in, so that would be six teams, and then the seventh team kind of sees champion. Could, it's still possible for them to get in, but they have no chances to actually make make a run this year. I don't think in the playoffs. Yeah, and looking at things from the college football side of things, Penn State falls zero and two after a monster performance from Ohio State. Justin Fields, twenty eight of thirty four with four touchdowns. And 318 yards. Master Teague had a great day on the ground. 23 carries, 110 yards, and a touchdown. Ohio State looks legit. I know the Big Ten had a little bit shorter of a schedule, postponed a little bit of play. A lot of people are going to have issues with them being in, even if they look the part, and Ohio State definitely looks the part. How good is this Ohio State team, and do you think they kind of go into that tier with Clemson and Alabama for this season? 
yeah, they're good. Uh, I love. I would have loved to have seen them play Wisconsin, with all things considering this year. But uh, no, they're not. They're not on the tier of, of Clemson. Uh, I, I don't think that they they would uh, in a long form season. I think mean, they probably won the Big Ten in the short form. They would have probably did send the Big Ten, but there would have been there would have been some more challenging things in a full season. I don't think they were. They have any chance to to beat. Uh, a Clemson, maybe they could beat Alabama, uh, but uh, I, I think that you know now Justin Fields, he's probably the Heisman frontrunner with you know Mertz out and Trevor Lawrence. He's gonna miss another game. Uh, Clemson beats Boston College, uh, and the future of, of Clemson is in there with uh, DJ and I, I don't even try to, I don't want to pronounce the guy's last name wrong. So out of courtesy of him, I will say their true freshman quarterback led them to victory. Uh, but I, I don't, I don't think, you know, how many times have we seen Ohio state in the college football playoff get like absolutely shut down by, by like a team like Clemson. I, I think, I think that's what we're looking, we're heading towards this year. Yeah, and last year I feel like it was a pretty close game. Justin Fields obviously dealing with the foot injury as well, but there's still definitely that question. Clemson looks great. Ohio State has a lot of players that are still kind of unproven, and I'm not a huge fan of Penn State, so this game doesn't really seal the deal for me, but I do believe that they're a legitimate contender, and I'm just a huge Justin Fields fan as it is, so I really want to see them succeed and potentially win it, and I know you're not much of an Ohio State fan. You're tired of them winning the Big Ten, being there every year. But I don't know. I love this roster. I love a lot of guys on this team. So it's definitely fun to watch. And I think they'll provide us some good football. Hopefully with whoever they match up with in the playoffs, it's going to be huge. Speaking of playoff implications, Oklahoma State loses to Texas. And I think this is Seals the deal for the Big 12. Yeah, rest in peace to the Big 12's playoff hopes. Oklahoma State, as it was, was not putting together a great season other than an undefeated record. They were struggling to get by in a lot of games, keeping it very close, keeping it very risky. You had a hunch that they would probably fall off and lose one eventually. They lose to Texas. Now no team left undefeated in the Big 12. The only team with a zero in the record is the 0-5 Kansas Jayhawks. (laughs) Big 12, not looking great. Nick, do you see any way that a team from this conference could get in? Yeah, it's like Alabama needs to like lose two games and wins the SEC. Uh, that's the only way that that happens. Uh, I, you know, there's a better chance that BYU is going to get into the title, into the playoffs now. And you know that these teams outside of the Power Five are never getting into the into there. But we should talk about BYU in a moment because they actually look pretty good. Uh, and then, yeah, so I think the way this is going to play out, uh, we'll see what happens with DJ Ugalele and Clemson taking on Notre Dame, that's going to be a huge game. And I think uh, if Notre Dame wins it, then Clemson's still good because they'll get in because they're going to say, oh, well, no Trevor Lawrence. So I think either way in this game, I think we're going to see Notre Dame and Clemson, unless they get two losses each, they're both going to make it into the college football playoff. You're going to Ohio State. And, of course, you'll get Alabama or whoever wins the SEC. Um, but if, if, if Notre Dame or Clemson, uh, when lose two games, then you'll see probably like Georgia getting in. So I think those are the five teams that are in the mix right now. I mean, if somehow some other team goes undefeated and wins the big 10, obviously they're in, but not likely to happen. So you got Ohio state, Clemson, Notre Dame, 
Alabama and Georgia as the most likely uh, teams. One of those teams will be on the outside looking in for the college football playoff. Yeah, and one team that I think is kind of slept on in terms of playoff positioning is Texas A&M, who has already had their loss to Alabama on the season. They also went the next week and beat Florida, which was a huge victory. Now their remaining schedule is South Carolina, Tennessee, Ole Miss, LSU, and then Auburn. That Auburn game is big, but I think they're the favorite in every single one of these games. If you finish out the season 9-1, and one, you don't have to go into this conference championship game and really play against Alabama again, which Georgia or Florida will have to do, you're looking at a great spot. And you're looking as an SEC team, which we know the, co- the college football playoff committee will favor. I mean, Texas A&M is a sleeper team to really kind of get in there and be that it. fourth team. I, I, I would I would love that. I'd love to see – I love getting mixed up. Uh, like we saw LSU get in there last year. Uh, when they're in, they make a difference. Uh and sick of the same teams, but we're going to do uh, your guy, Zach Wilson, still looking good here. And, you know, you, you had him on your draft risers and the stock keeps on rising. And uh, if BYU goes undefeated, I, I don't think they're getting in, but they should get some they should get some recognition on a national scale. Yeah, they're definitely getting some love being nine and oh at the moment. They have three games left. We're going to talk about this Boise State game almost guaranteed as a preview for the next week's game, because. That's a huge one, and if Boise if Boise State wins, they are undefeated as well. It's just right now they're ranked twenty one in the nation, only playing two games so far. Three games, no, two games so far. Sorry, checking on that. Uh, but BYU seven and zero with some big victories, dominant in almost every outing. Now they go against Boise State, which will be a huge matchup. I'm not as high on Zach Wilson as a lot of people are starting to get. I think. After evaluating his film, there's just a lot of 50-50 balls that he puts up that aren't going to work in the NFL to the same success that it's worked so far. He has some nice arm angles, and he makes the most of his mobility. But at the same time, I think he's being a little overrated at the moment. But, I mean, it's just the production is going to get love no matter what. So he's definitely put up a great season. He is a Heisman contender himself. Despite coming from a smaller school in BYU, he has put on a show every weekend, and I think – Given the right amount of chaos to happen in a season like this, Zach Wilson has a good shot to be a Heisman winner. Yeah, and wild weekend. Uh, you saw one of the most ridiculous plays of all time end up getting called back. The Rutgers, like a million flips back and forth. I don't know why. That seemed nothing was wrong. Nothing seemed wrong to me there, but uh, Rutgers looks like they're going in the right direction. And a lot of young teams in the Big Ten. Uh, and I think that depth-wise, the Big Ten is, is definitely the best conference there is in football. Um, obviously, SEC is better at the top, um, but we see it each year. And when the Big Ten plays the other conferences in the bowl games, they come away victorious most of the time. A big game in the Big Ten was Michigan falling to Michigan State after Michigan State just lost to Rutgers. A lot of people are growing tired of Harbaugh. Nick, do you think this is potentially Harbaugh's last season in Michigan? I'll tell you what, I think the Jets are going to make a hard push to get Harbaugh as their head coach. Uh, I don't I don't think Harbaugh wants to go out as a loser, but I feel like uh, a lot of NFL teams should be intrigued by the possibility of, of getting him as their head coach. Uh, he really doesn't have any ties anywhere, but 
hey, I think uh, Atlanta would be a great spot if you're a head coach. To me, that's probably the most intriguing uh, opening right now in in, uh, in the NFL. Uh, I'm going to say that Harbaugh ends up staying at least another year, though, um, just because with everything going on with COVID and whatnot, and they're going to probably say, yeah, well, it, it's really hard to recruit during this. At least Harbaugh's a name that people are familiar with, and we'll, we'll go with him for another year. How about you? Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens in a season that the Texas job could open up as well. I think it's going to be a very strange case. And I think similar to you, because of the COVID situation, they will probably try to keep some familiarity in the staff. A lot of the visits are not going to be happening with all that's going on with COVID. So I think right now where you've already kind of recruited for next year, you don't want to lose any of those recruits and risk losing what could be your next class on a new head coach coming in. So I think it's best if Harbaugh gets another year. Joe Milton obviously is kind of a very raw quarterback at the moment, and I think there's so much potential there that if you are changing up your coaching staff, changing up everything, you're never going to fully unleash him. And, you know, you give your coaching staff this opportunity to make the most of the situation. If it doesn't work out, you know, you're Michigan, you'll probably be able to recover. You're going to be having a lot of people very intrigued at the chance to come in and coach there. So right now, do you think, do you think Dylan McCaffrey uh, has really played into this lack of success here with Michigan? I know when he, he came in like such a highly touted prospect and everyone's looking at his brother and really hasn't really done much of note uh, for Michigan. Yeah. And I'm not sure. I think he was definitely warranted the hype as a recruit, but at the same time, a lot of recruits just don't pan out how you kind of hope for them. And at QB, it happens more than ever. And, you know, if he's not ready and they don't like what he has to offer as a starter, I'm sure coach talk, they'd say, oh, we love Dylan. He's putting in great work every day, yada, yada. But if they don't find him to be a starting QB for the team, then, I mean, it's just how it goes. And sadly, you know, He's not meeting up to the expectation that is set by the McCaffrey name, but it's uh, it's just part of the process. And we got a comment from the comment section from Glock Lesnar, Bill O'Brien to Texas. I love the idea of Bill O'Brien getting the job in Texas. I think with his success at Penn State, it's definitely an option. But at the same time, I do feel as though a lot of fans that root for the Longhorns probably root for the Houston Texans as well. So maybe in terms of fan base, it's not a great fit. I could see, though, him heading to a spot like South Carolina where they may be firing Muschamp going forward. I'm not sure what the whole situation will be with that, but he could be a great spot in a place where, you know, they have the capabilities to recruit. They've had some success in that regard, but they haven't really had the success that matches up with that in the standings, and I feel like Bill O'Brien – would be in a good spot right there. There are some other schools, obviously, all around the league, whether you're looking at uh, some of the Big 12 teams, such as uh, Baylor, if they were to fire their coach, other places as well. There's definitely going to be a lot of options for the guy, but I just – I don't know. I don't I don't know if Baylor or Texas really, with the Houston fans that probably overlap, well, he, he I may be avoided I, I, by those schools. Bill O'Brien should be able to get a college job, but it's a matter of does he want one? And maybe he says, I'll sit out one year, hope to get an NFL job. You know, there's going to be – the Jets could be crazy enough to say, 
we want to get Bill O'Brien in here. Uh, if McDaniels gets a coaching job, I could see Bill O'Brien being the Patriots offensive coordinator next year. If he wants to go that route for a year and then decide, okay, because he's not, I rarely does it happen that a, a guy who wants to be an NFL coach takes over a college football program for one year and then leaves. It's happened, but that's kind of really messed up. So I think go O'Brien probably wants to, to be in the pro still. So maybe going a coordinator route for one year might be uh, the better, the better play for him. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens on that. And I think, I think we got to this question from LB rules earlier thoughts on the Titans trading for Desmond King, Michael. Yeah, absolutely. A huge get for the cornerback group there. And whether he's playing safety or corner for this team, he is going to be huge. He plays mostly in nickel, kind of labeled as a strong safety, but mostly just a nickel back. And he is an excellent one. I guess there were some issues with him kind of showing up late and not really getting along with the coaches there in Los Angeles. But all that I had known of Desmond King is that he's just been fine. So I'm not going to assume that this is just some long-standing issue. I'm going to assume that it's just an issue with this specific case. So I assume he'll be able to get along with everyone there in Tennessee, and he's a great player for sure. That's never been a question. So the fact that it was such a low cost in a six-round pick, Titans got an absolute steal and are going to reap the benefits whenever they see him get to finally get some action on the field. Doubt about it. Uh, Titans, though, surprisingly lost. Uh, but hey, you know, Joe Burrow is gonna he's gonna start getting those wins. So uh, things get turned around, and who knows? Uh, you know, Bur- Burrow right now is in a tight race for Rookie of the Year with Justin Herbert. But I think Herbert's a little bit ahead. But who did you have for your rookies of the week this week? Yeah, more important than Rookie of the Year is the Rookie of the Weeks. And Rockman's rookie of the week, we got Joe Burrow, 26-37, 249 yards in the air and two touchdowns. Huge game versus the Titans. Came out and got a victory for his team in what was a big one. You look at just how good this Titans team is, and being able to pull away that victory is huge for Burrow and the Bengals going forward. I know a lot of people, whenever you're not really a contender, you kind of think lose for better draft picks. But really, I believe that when you have a young QB, it's great to try to instill confidence when you can. And getting wins against good teams just kind of gives faith going forward. So a huge victory for Burrow and the Bengals, and all props goes to them. The Titans' defense needs to get some work, but hopefully that trade for Desmond King will do wonders. The next rookie of the week is Justin Herbert, who threw 29 for 43, 278 yards and three touchdowns. Another big week for Justin Herbert, who seems to be running away with the Offensive Rookie of the Year award. A loss in this outing, falling to 2-5 and five on the season. But there's definitely a lot to love about Justin Herbert. I think as we go forward, we are going to see more and more investment from the Chargers in trying to get Herbert as good a cast as he can. And, you know, right now with how well they're producing already, there's reason to be very excited about this team. And... It just won't stop. The Chargers look phenomenal, and there's just so much going forward to be excited about if you are a Chargers fan. The next rookie of the week, we got J.K. Dobbins of the Baltimore Ravens, who had 16 touches, 121 yards in the losing effort to the Steelers. A huge game for Dobbins, though, establishing himself as a great running back. I feel like because they had Mark Ingram, because they had Justice Hill, because they had Lamar Jackson – 
who was able to run the ball as much as he was. Dobbins wasn't getting the usage that was really necessary to see what all he could do. And in this game, they finally gave him the touches and he exploded. I really hope that this is a sign moving forward that Dobbins will be taking over the job in Baltimore. I love the guy. He was one of my favorite running backs of this class. I think he can make anyone miss in space. He is definitely a beast. And now he put together a great week and hopefully he will build on that going forward. Our next rookie of the week is someone that I wasn't as high on, and that's Trayvon Diggs of Dallas with seven tackles, four pass deflections, and two interceptions in another losing effort against the Philadelphia Eagles. The big thing about the Cowboys was how much their secondary was struggling, and Trayvon Diggs put together a great ball game. Trayvon Diggs put together a great ball game, putting a lot of resistance in a deep passing that Carson Wentz was doing. He played the ball excellent. That was never a question for Diggs was his ability to play the ball. Being a former great receiver, his brother, Stephon Diggs, a great receiver himself. This guy is great at adapting for the ball, making plays on the ball, and he showed that in this outing with two interceptions, four pass deflections, seven tackles, a big outing for Diggs, and a big testament for what is hopeful for the Cowboys going forward. The last Rookie of the week is Jeremy Chin with 10 tackles, one pass deflection, one quarterback hit, and 28 yards on a fake punt. Another losing effort, though, as they fall to the Falcons. But Jeremy Chin is putting putting together a great season. He seems to be on this Rockman's Rookie of the Week list every week. So definitely an outstanding outing and an outstanding season. Jeremy Chin is looking like a versatile steal, and the Panthers are definitely very happy to have him. And I want to give a quick honorable mention to Buffalo Bills running back Zach Moss. 14 carries, 81 yards, two touchdowns. He put together a great game, and he ran all through the Patriots' defense, which has struggled in the run game. He was very close to making this list, but sadly got snubbed. <laughs> uh, all right, Jeremy Chen. Uh, this guy has been <laughs> incredible. Uh, you know, Week six, he gets his first interception uh, against Nick Foles. Uh, and he's he was named Defensive Rookie of the Month, which is a pretty good accomplishment. Not as good as Rockman's Rookies of the Week, but he posted 30 tackles. He had four passes defended in the interception in the month of October. Uh, this guy's probably going to be the defensive player, defensive rookie of the year. Uh, his uncle is Steve Atwater, a Denver Broncos Hall of Famer and another great defensive player. And, you know, this, he, he went to Southern Illinois. He played safety and cornerback. My question to you, Michael, is how come sometimes guys with such clear skill levels like this don't end up getting recruited so highly at a high school? Yeah, and really, I can't answer it for you. I feel like so many guys put themselves out there now with going to camps, getting their film out there. So as time goes on, we should see less and less of it is what you kind of expect, but I mean, maybe it's just a late bloomer situation where he really never fully realized his talent. And once he got to the college level, they really blossomed him into much more. Maybe it's just in high school, he was maybe stuck at wide receiver or running back and he wasn't as good at it. So colleges thought, eh, that's, we're good on that. And then SIU brought him in and put him at safety. I don't know what Jeremy Chin's background is in terms of what he did in high school, but it just seems as though a lot of times colleges, are very quick to dismiss a lot of players, especially with how recruiting rankings are going and how systems work like that. So I just think that 
if a lot of colleges put more time into just, you know, having an open mind, not really paying attention to what the star ranking is for them and trying to figure out what guys are really fully capable of, we could see more in that. And I feel like the biggest reason that we don't see it is just because when you are a dominant school and you get so many great recruits, it's hard to miss whenever you're getting, you know, five, five stars, 24 stars and 15, three stars and guys that are, you know, capable of taking a scholarship to go play at not even a small school, but somewhere like Illinois, but would rather gray shirt to go play at Alabama. It's just, it's just, there's, it's hard to really say, Oh, well we should pay attention to these under star, two stars, one star unranked guys. When you already know that you're going to have a full class of very talented players. No doubt about it. Uh, the 2020 NFL draft class, uh, you know, is going to be known for the quarterbacks with Tua, Herbert, and Burrow, and we'll see what Love does down the road. Do you think this is going to be something that we're talking about for years, similar to how we did in 2004 draft, like which is probably the best quarterback draft of all time with Eli, Roethlisberger, and Rivers? Is this, is this a, a draft class of quarterbacks you think are going to have really long, successful careers here? And we're going to always be saying, oh, back in 2020 – uh, during the draft, like we always do now about the, tw- the 2004 draft. Yeah, and I think we will. And I think this one is going to be harder <clears throat> to really evaluate because I think the way Herbert succeeds and the way Burroughs succeeds are so different. I think when you look at Herbert, he has so many tools and he just makes the most of it. He's a great playmaker. When you look at Joe Burrow, he has some fine tools, but his arm isn't as strong as someone like Herbert, but he has great poise in the pocket. He can handle pressure very well. Sometimes he holds on to the ball too long, but at the same time, he's very good at keeping composure in the pocket, making reads downfield, and we see that happen. So, you know, do I think that Herbert would struggle on the Chargers or that Burrow would struggle – or do I think Herbert would struggle on the Bengals or that Herbert – or that Burrow would struggle on the Chargers? No, I don't think so. But I think it's just they succeed in such different ways that it's really hard to compare them. So it's going to be hard to try to decide who's the you know, ultimate winner of this. And unless someone just clearly elevates their game to where they're this undefeated, monster, like complete great QB, at the moment, you know, both QBs have a lot to love. And I think both fan bases are very happy with who they got regardless. No doubt about it. Uh, you know, it seems every year now we're getting these versatile quarterbacks in there. Do you think we'll ever see one of those Eli Manning or you know Peyton Manning or Tom Brady types ever drafted highly in a draft again? Because I think I think if you're looking at those guys now, they might not have even been given as much of a chance in college because the, the, the passing game has just changed so dramatically. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing is just how you manage the pocket. Uh, you don't have to be necessarily the fastest guy, but if you can't handle – you know, great interior rush, or if you can't maneuver through different blocks to set yourself up to have a clean delivery space, then you're not really going to have that opportunity. And we see guys that are kind of statues in the pocket and maybe they got by on having a very strong arm, but they never really were able to move around the pocket very well. I think those guys are gone and that's never going to be someone that really succeeds in this league again. If you've ever been someone that just really struggles with pressure you're probably going to be overlooked very quickly because it's just that fact that you got to be able to maneuver through pressure 
and make plays still regardless of what's going on. So, yeah, I mean, I think Burrow's a clear situation where you don't have to be this great athlete with a super cannon arm and handle pressure, but you have to be able to handle pressure. And Burrow does that despite maybe his shortcomings as a strong arm QB. He moves around pretty well. He can run and scramble decently. So I'm not going to say he's like a statue in that regard, but I think it's it's just big that you have to be able to maneuver and move around. And if you can't do that, even if you aren't the fastest, you got to be able to adapt for that. And if you can't, you probably won't have much of a future in this league as a quarterback. No doubt about it. And for a look at the game of football from a coaching, scouting, administrative perspective, go to LandryFootball.com today from high school, college to the NFL, from recruiting to the NFL draft, to free agency, from pregame to postgame full analysis to all the inside scoop on players, teams, coaches, and schemes. LandryFootball.com is your source for all things football. Thank you for joining, and please help us spread the word as you can catch us on the Chris Landry Twitch channel at www.twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football, and you can listen to this podcast on your mobile device by signing up for Landry Football Conference Call wherever you get your podcast. Destination Draft Day is sponsored by American Better Experts, one of the largest licensed sports and casino vendors in the U.S. We have teamed together to provide special gaming offers to all Landry Football followers and podcast listeners. Here's what you do. Go to our website, LandryFootball.com. Click the ad located in the upper right side of the page. Pick on the gaming sites legal in your state, such as BetMGM, DraftKings, FanDuel, and PointsBet. Sign up and instantly receive an account deposit match or risk-free bet from $100 to $1,000. It's that easy. Again, go to LandryFootball.com. Click on the ad, in the, lo- the ad located in the upper right side of the page. Again, in the action with a special offer for American betting experts. And while you're there, you can maybe bet on some rookie uh, records, uh, which, which potentially could be broken this year. Right, Michael? Yeah, and there are two very notable ones that, for me, really appear in sight, and they're on track to be beaten. You look at Joe Burrow with his passing yards through eight weeks, 2,272 passing yards. Andrew Luck's current record was 4,374. So at this current rate, he would be able to beat that, and Joe Burrow has definitely – seem to be relied on heavily for this Chargers team. Joe Mixon has been missing some weeks. So at that moment, we may see him get to really get some more passing options. I think next week we'll see him kind of struggle against the Steelers. But there are some games where you go against the Washington football team, the New York Giants, the Dallas Cowboys, the Houston Texans, where you can really take advantage of that record opportunity. The big thing, though, is you have three games that are Steelers, and Ravens twice against the Steelers once against the Ravens and you have to still deliver some very fine numbers in order to attain this record and we'll see what Joe Burrow is able to do in his first game against the Ravens he struggled only putting up 183 yards he's got to have to do a little bit more he's going to have to produce a little bit more on the touchdown and yardage point for them to win so it'll be interesting for Burrow I think this one's a little tougher than the other record but I do like his odds right now, and it's going to be very fun to keep track of week after week. The other record, which seems almost like a shoe-in at this point, is Justin Herbert on track to break the record for touchdowns through a single season for a rookie. With six games played, he has put up 15 touchdowns. And if you just go another six weeks, you would have 30. But if you add in... Some more. I mean, he's he's easily passing it. So 
the question is, can he keep this current rate up or can he at least keep it up to get 12 over the next eight weeks? And you'd like to think yes, and it should be fairly manageable. But at the same time, we've seen rookies fall off after so much production. So we'll see what happens. I think the biggest thing for Herbert was getting in as early as he did and being unleashed. Like we talked about earlier, they're letting him throw the ball downfield. They're letting him really let loose. And with that comes some great playmaking ability. I think he is very easily going to set this record. I think the closer one is whether or not Joe Burrow does, as he is currently at 11 touchdowns through eight games. We could potentially see him start to pick it up a little bit more as the season goes along, like we have seen lately in his outing. So really just both of these guys have put together great rookie quarterback years. Both teams are very happy, like I said before, And ultimately, whether or not they break these records, I think it's safe to say that barring any major injuries to these guys, they should be able to have long, successful careers. And it's definitely exciting for anyone who's just a football fan in general to keep track of what's going on for the rookie QBs. No doubt about it. Uh, It's looking like a really special quarterback class. And uh, we really didn't talk too much about, let's touch on it now, to his debut. Uh, yeah, ten incompletions. I think it was twelve for twenty-two, under hundred yards, had a touchdown. What did you What did you think from just the way that the plays were called for him this week, and what do you What do you project to be different moving forward with with him getting more games under his belt in this particular season? Yeah, and I think with how well things went, it was easy for the Dolphins to kind of reel it in very tightly, keep things very limited, make it quick plays, quick passes. If you miss, that's fine, but we're really trying to just make sure that nothing chaos happens so that this guy can have a fine first game. And it was, I mean, like it was a little below average. I think everyone is fine to admit that, that they were a little disappointed because we're seeing guys like Herbert, guys like Burrow having these great games as a rookie. We want to see Tua get in on the action. And I think with time he will, but right now, right now we're seeing some, what what is the Brian Flores kind of influence? And that is we're going to play this game conservative. We're going to try to make sure that this game never is played in such a reckless manner. And I think we're not going to see Tua ever really get unleashed like we've seen with Herbert. Like Herbert's been able to launch the ball downfield time in, time out. He's rolling around both sides of the pocket. He's really going to do like – so it's fun to watch because he's just such a talented QB with all these tools. And I don't think the Dolphins are going to be that risky with it where they'll let him kind of unleash himself. But I do think we'll see some great games out of Tua. He's put together some of the best accuracy numbers we've ever seen out of college football. Even with great receivers, the accuracy numbers were insane. So there's definitely reason to be very hopeful going forward. And I think with time, we'll start to see just exactly why Tua was very warranted in all the hype that he got. Is that about it? Uh, lots to go on there. Uh, let's look. Uh, let's look at a little look ahead here. A little preview. Thursday night, pretty big game uh, in the NFL. Packers coming off a loss against the 49ers, who are coming off a loss both in the record column and some losses on the field as well for injuries. This is a game that Packers. You know, I think they're going to win. The, I think they. You know, it's it's close with them and the Bears. I think they're still the better team there for the NFC. North, but this is a game they have to win for the Packers. Yeah, 100%. The Packers 
are playing fine, but they've had some losses lately. They really struggle to slow down the run, and there's no better running coach than Kyle Shanahan. So that'll definitely be interesting to see what happens in that situation. But I think the Packers take advantage of this. I think they have a fairly easy schedule going forward that will allow them to really recover any lost ground in this loss. I think mostly when you look at just how strong this uh, Packers roster is in terms of talent, there's just so much reason to be hopeful. And at the moment, regardless of the loss that happened last week and the loss that happened before, this team has played well for a reason. And for Packers fans out there, you need to keep that hope alive. And another interesting note that just came out right when the show started, Trey Flowers has been placed on injured reserve for the Lions, a key player that was brought in on free agency just a few years ago is now sitting out for the season, or at least that's what the expectation is. That should be very interesting to keep an eye on. Absolutely, and we'll end with this. Monday Night Football, Giants probably going to get blown out tonight against the the Buccaneers. I think Daniel Jones has another fumble and interception, and the Giants are going to stay in this race with the Jets to try to chase them down for Trevor Lawrence, I think, and they'll just continue to lose here. What are are your thoughts on the way the rest of the the Giants season is going to go as far as the draft is looking? Yeah, it's not looking great for the Giants, and I kind of hope that we see the Giants have that number one pick when it's all said and done. I think the idea of splitting Mahomes, Herbert on this side and Trevor Lawrence on this side, right now all the young QBs seem to be on the AFC. So right. give the Giants Trevor Lawrence. Let the NFC have their young Kyler Murray, Trevor Lawrence, those guys all on this side. Let's split up the town, really really create these crazy Super Bowl potential matchups. If we have everyone in the AFC, it's just it clogs it up too much. So Trevor Lawrence and Saquon Barkley. Yeah, young QB right over there. And you've got some weapons in that team that are also fun to watch with Sterling Shepard hopefully getting healthy. Golden Tate may not be as around as long, but I I just feel like Trevor Lawrence would be such a waste with the Jets. It's just like we know it's going to not work out somehow. Like, I'm sure he doesn't want to be a Jet. So uh, it's yeah. hard for me to root for my team to lose every game. But and again, it's like I got to somehow root for the Jets to win a game. But it's really hard to do. And it's it seems so unlikely. Like, part of me, I really want the Jets to go in 16 because I think it's great. But I don't want to see Trevor Lawrence be wasted on the Jets, do you? No. Nah, and I do trust that the Jets would be able to not screw it up. But you never truly know. So. It's definitely going to be interesting, but I'm hoping the Giants get it just so we can potentially have like a Mahomes versus T-Law Super Bowl or something crazy like that. Where the it would be so funny if like fun. the the Giants. Had, I don't know what the tiebreaker would be if they're both one and fifteen. We'd have to look into that. But how funny would it be if the Jets win and they because they beat the Patriots late in the season, and then Jets fans are yet again so mad at the Patriots just because the Patriots lost to them and they blew their chance for. For Trevor Lawrence. How funny yeah, I, would that be? I could definitely see that happening with how the Patriots have just seemed to blow games recently. Games that they seem to be the better team. And then as things are finally looking like they'll pull it out, they blow it. So who knows? I'm sure they'll find a way against the Jets if, if they continue losing right now how they have. But it's hard to picture the Jets winning. But I, know. I don't know. I'm just I'm hoping that. We see Trevor Lawrence on the Giants. I think he 
aesthetically it looks better too. I think he'd fit in well with the with the blue and red and white. No doubt about it. Let's let's <laughs> hope for let's hope for Charles Lawrence to be a new York Giant. Uh, that's gonna do it here for Destination Draft Day, your source for all things NFL and of course college football and NFL draft for Michael Rockman. Uh, the draft guru here for Landry Football. Uh, I am Nick Durst, and thank you for joining us here on Destination Draft Day. Take care. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.